Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Naturally. What's up, everybody? This is David with Light the Fight. And the reason why I came in out of key is because I don't know how to be in key. So I apologize to all of you uh, people out there that do have singing, singing talents. But that was a joke. I said alone again, but naturally. I'm just kidding. Heidi's not with us. She's not able to speak currently at the moment, or at least not clear enough. She's uh, under the weather and has a very sore throat. So I thought I'd come in here and jump on the horn and bore you guys with some of my nonsense, like always. Um, but today I have someone sitting in with me on the microphone instead of just behind the electronic board, and that is our producer, Brandon Cash. So if you haven't heard uh, Brandon Cash in our other episodes, it's because you haven't been listening to the faint laughing in the background or the making fun of me or basically Brandon's like the little brother in the back that likes to point out all your mistakes and then laughs about it and it's a good joke, whatever. Um, but no, seriously, Brandon has uh, been helping us out since day one with Light the Fight and we couldn't uh, be able to bring you this podcast without all of his work and all the stuff that he does behind the scenes. So um, I wanted Brandon to sit in with me today and weigh in on something that I wanted to revisit, which is a former podcast that we did about pornography. So today, um, Brandon's going to sit in with me and we're going to talk about a really cool thing that Brandon and I did just the other day, uh, the other night, Monday night. We went and saw um, an opening of a three-part documentary by a local uh, nonprofit agency um, that was founded, yeah, I believe he found it, uh, by a friend of mine named Clay Olson. And uh, Clay founded this nonprofit called Fight the New Drug. And they've been around for a decade now, been doing amazing things, going around to high schools throughout the country, talking to teens and youth and basically anyone that will listen, creating a movement of information and understanding um, to help educate young people about the harmful effects of pornography. And I think it's great because informed consent, letting people know what's going on is it's 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 very important, specifically with things like pornography. Because a lot of people argue that, oh, it's it's fine, there's nothing wrong with it. So it's one of those things can easily be dismissed as natural, normal, everybody does it. And if you're listening to this and say, well, gosh, my friends don't talk like that. Well, because I'm referring to young people when I'm saying this. But there are a lot of older people. Um, I think the first people on national television that started to minimize pornography and talk about it in a laughing, joking way, at least that I can remember, is the TV show Friends. Friends had started making some comments. I remember back in the day when they first made some comments joking around about pornography. I was like, huh? That's interesting. Like, I mean, that was, I mean, primetime television. 
And ever since then, it's it has been the butt of a lot of jokes, and it has been something that people have laughed about. But I think more importantly, it's something that people don't like to talk about in a serious nature. People seem to be feeling more comfortable talking about pornography in a joking nature. And in our first podcast with Heidi, um, I poked at Heidi a little bit because just the word pornography, words like masturbation and those things, if, if we were videoing our episode, you'd see how uncomfortable it made her. And I get that. That's, that's how it makes a lot of people feel, which is why it's difficult to talk about and which it's why it's not a conversation that the average parent, the average person has um, a lot of reps at trying how to have those conversations. So um, tonight's podcast is going to be talking about our experience at the movie Um, weighing in on some of the things that uh, we picked up from the movie and also giving you some great resources from Fight the New Drug, um, some things that you can do uh, for yourself, uh, for a loved one, or um, refer to someone that that you know that might be struggling. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Mr. Brandon Peso. That's a little inside joke. I was, if I refer to Brandon as Peso, that means uh, he's not making me happy at that moment. So just a little joke, you know, pesos less than cash or dollar. Anyways, point being, if I call him Brandon Cash, then it's like, ah, oh, he's 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 working hard, he's doing good. That's just kind of one of those things older guys always did when I grew up. It's it's kind of like a rite of passage. If if I was hanging out with my brother's older friends and they were talking trash to me and poking at me and making fun of me, at the time I was like, oh, this is horrible. Why is this happening? Come to find out later on, my brother told me, he said, hey, that's a good thing. If we're joking with you, if we're poking fun at you, and we're playing around with you, making fun of you at your own expense, that means you're you're part of the club. You're just a rookie. And so this is how we always treat rookies. But don't worry. Just take a good joke, laugh with it, go along with it, and eventually you'll be one of the actual people at the big kids' table hanging out with the older kids. But my brother used to always say, when you hang out with my friends, shut up. Don't say anything. Don't talk too much. Just play it cool. And so... uh, with Brandon and with all the young men I work with, I like to mess around with them, talk a little smack to them. But at the end of the day, you know, we couldn't be doing this without Brandon. Brandon's helped me out throughout the years with the kids at Quit Trippin'. And he's just been a a great young minion for me to help me get all this information out to everyone and also just help the youth here locally in our support groups. So Brandon, what's up, my man? What up, dude? Um, You, uh, you're sitting here on a microphone at Light the Fight instead of behind the wheels of steel or the magic buttons. So <laughs> welcome to the other side of the table and uh, glad that you can sit in with me tonight um, here on Light the Fight. But let's start talking about the movie, man. What would you, you think about that? I thought it was good, but to clarify, I am Mexican, so the be peso things a play on the ethnicity. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I got a little important thing. I forgot there. to say it too because he's Mexican. But he's, he's one of those Mexicans where he doesn't look like he's Mexican like me. And he doesn't speak any of the language, so I always got to give him a hard time about that too. But I'm not fluent either, so I'm a hypocrite. So let's get off that subject. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, B Cash. Uh, oh, you're on my good side right now. Tell me, uh, let's talk about the movie, man. Would you first of all, what did you think when when I invited you to go to a random movie, but didn't tell you what it was about? Did you kind of know something was hey, up? Yeah, I kind of knew something was up. You're like, hey, man, I got invited to this movie premiere, and uh, I want you to come. And uh, we've talked about different things, uh, conversations about doing some stuff outside of here with uh, a friend of ours named Jack. And I just had the impression, like, this is probably going to have to do with uh, 
something dealing with pornography or he wants to do something to help me with that indirectly or directly. I just knew something was coming. Yeah. So, um, and, and you kind of, you kind of alluded that to that, but, um, you know, the, the movie that fight the new drug put out, I guess I'm, I'm hesitating to say the movie cause I think they call it, it's a, do, it's a three piece documentary, right? Yeah. Um, so brain heart world is the name of it. And we're going to post on our, um, on our Instagram page when we post this episode details, information, because they're allowing people to watch it for free, um, up until the end of November. And I've got to say, you guys, every one of you listening to this episode needs to go and watch this three part documentary. You need to share it with everybody. To my knowledge, it is the best piece done to simplify give a very linear process, starting with the brain, then moving to heart, AKA relationships, and then moving into how it, how pornography influences the world. I thought it was better than well done. I thought it was to the point. It was simple, some basic information, but it was illustrated very well. It had some light sense of humor to it. The person who narrated it was very good. Um, the animation, you know, there's parts where there's animation in it. Um, there was just so many little intricate details that you could tell that um, the good people down there at Fight the New Drug had worked on this a very long time and had a lot of great help. And so I'm going to be plugging this right now and at the very end, but I want to get into some of Brandon's um, experiences, what he took from the film, and just talk about pornography you know, in general again, because our first conversation that we had about pornography on Light the Fight, um, it was... Interesting enough, and I, I may have mentioned this in one of our previous episodes, but interesting enough, I think we only got like four or five comments about that episode, which is not normal. Usually our episodes, you know, and there's there's usually a couple handfuls of comments, and this one there might have been three or four. And we went and looked at how many comments, how many likes, whatever we got, and then we went and look at looked at how many downloads it got. The downloads definitely showed that more people were listening to that episode than probably 80, 90% of our other episodes. And the comments and the interaction on social media showed that not a lot of people knew how to handle how they felt or didn't feel comfortable sharing it. And I get that. I'm not saying that was a bad thing, but that just, it put like a little highlighter on it. Me, I'm like, you know, let's come back to it and let's talk about this again. So back to the movie, Brandon, um, when we first went in the movie and, you know, we started the first part of it was the brain, the first 30 minutes, they had three 30 minute, um, mini documentaries. And the first one was about the brain. What were some things that stood out to you or some of the things that you took away from that? Um, I think the biggest thing with the brain is I like the way that they had put it more in simple terms and they made jokes about it and talking about, Hey, I think it was in the first one, um, that they're talking about how at one point in time they said cocaine and cigarettes were good for you if it was for toothache or uh, cigarettes were good for asthma and then they're talking about advertising advertising throughout the years throughout the years um and they said hey you know over time we've learned that it actually really affects the brain and they explained it in a way that was understandable and um usually when you hear about pornography or people talking about they say it affects the brain it affects the brain it affects the brain 
Um, but I liked how they really got into the details of it with everything from the high-tech neuroplasticity and learning different things that way to dumbing it down to super normal stimulus and different things. And So what does neuroplasticity mean? Neuroplasticity. Ah, but he didn't know I was going to quiz him. Let's Man, see. let's see if you're paying attention. See if I was paying attention or just, you know, sitting there all nervous the whole time for trying to delete that on my memory. No, I'm kidding. Um, neuroplasticity is that the neurons in your brain can be rewired and change over time and that your brain is essentially moldable and that depending on what you give your brain or what you think about it changes everything yeah very good man yeah um and, and that, that's kind of interesting because could you imagine that um someone that struggles with pornography um to a point where it'd be labeled addiction it's affected relationships in their life their mental emotional health do you think that you know hearing something like neuroplasticity and understanding that the brain gets better at what we feed it. If we're trying to create something, um, a way to look at pornography or you know, trying to create a way to not look at it, the brain's gonna focus on that part and it can heal itself uh, you know, to a certain degree. And you know, it's moldable, like you said. So what, how do you think someone watching that movie for the first time would feel knowing that it's something that can be reversed, like this is not a death sentence? I think that's huge because most of the stuff that I have heard on the brain before is, always been it's a negative effect this is going to change you forever this is changing this and this is happening and it was a lot of more negative stuff but then for them to also spin it and say hey this is happening in your brain and if you change it and feed your brain other things that we've actually seen in studies that that part of your brain is actually going to come back and you can rewire your brain to go back to normal for the most part so a lot of you guys don't know is that normally Heidi is the one that gets up here and it's uh, her shame purging session, uh, <laughs> one hour out of the week. Um, but the reason why I had Brandon weigh in on this is because this is something that Brandon can personally relate to. So for you, Brandon, um, when you're watching that movie, talking about the brain, and when you know before we cover each part of it, but when you're watching that, knowing that these are things that you've struggled with. Um, what were some of the things that, that you were thinking while you're watching the, the documentary? Um, watching the documentary, I'd say for the first part, um, I would say the third one was the most impactful for me, but I want to jump ahead with the first one. It was good to get that information about the brain, about the brain. Absolutely. And take that information, like, okay, cool. With me struggling with pornography and different th things and relating to it and being nervous that, Hey, I don't know if I'll ever get better. Or if my brain's going to see things differently that no, we we've actually seen that you can rewire your brain and you'll get back to normal. It's like, it was, I wouldn't say a sense of hope, but more of a sense of relief that, okay, I get my stuff together. Things are going to work out in the end. I think that was, that was the biggest thing and figuring out that the this stuff the super normal stimulus applies to multiple things in your life and that just like with any addiction that pornography can just be a pathway or a channel for your brain to be affected by super normal stimulus and then being able to apply that to different things in my life so real quick back up a little bit there that's that quite a mouthful <laughs> super normal stimulus what does that mean brandon I like how you're making me look smarter than i am and i'm just regurgitating information from two days ago well no i and, and <laughs> You know, it may sound like I'm quizzing yeah. you, but I'm asking you these things because, you know, it's struggling with something pretty easy. Like it's yeah. not hard to find something to struggle with or something to get addicted to. There's plenty of things <laughs> to get addicted to out there in the world. But 
you know, going and watching that film and then afterwards contemplating, thinking about it, I'm just asking the question yeah. simply because I know that you know these answers, not because you're regurgitating, because you've been thinking about it. No, absolutely. Uh, super, super normal stimulus is when your brain sees something that is out of the ordinary and it stimulates it at a high level or super normal. Um, no, it's actually see your brain sees something that's normal, but it's at a super okay. version of it. That's right. So like sex, for example. So your brain knows that sex is normal. Maybe you've had sex. Maybe you've seen people have sex before. But then when you see the pornography, it's a super version of something very normal. That's right. Yeah. So it's exaggerated what the normal activity would be or the normal stimulus is that same thing, but exaggerated and put on a higher standard or quote unquote put on steroids. And, and what do they talk about? Like what happens eventually over time if you keep on injecting images and videos of a super normal, ver a super version of a normal sexual act? Would they say eventually your brain starts to do? Essentially, it changes the baseline of what is super normal stimulus. So what used to be super normal for you becomes a normal stimulus. Yeah, so it was, it was really cool and interesting um, because the super normal stimulus, you know, I, after the movie, I went, and, I went and looked that up because I was, I, I had heard about that in a, in a different terminology. So when they said super normal stimulus and when they started talking about it, I go, oh, I know what that is. I just had never heard it said like that before. And I went and looked at it and, and I kind of checked it out a little bit. And it makes a lot of sense because it's not just with things like pornography. I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to deny that when we have an extreme version of something. So, for example, um, let's say you, you like to drink Diet Coke and you drink Diet Coke and it gives you a little bit of caffeine to kind of give you a little bit of a buzz, but not too much where you're bouncing off the walls. And then all of a sudden one day you go all in on a big old 24 ounce can of monster, you know, the cans that have to have a screw on and off because you ain't drinking that in one sitting and you drink a monster. It's way more powerful than just a regular diet Coke. And so that normal intense energy rush that you get for some people, it's like, Whoa, that's way too much for other people. It's like, wow, that was a lot of adrenaline. It woke me up. I, I like that. And then the more that they drink it, they have to drink more of it to get the same effect. And it keeps on getting more and more and more. And, and this we see in lots of things in life. You know, before the podcast started talking, you know, you made the connection to not just pornography, but there's another thing in your life that kind of has a similar effect. Uh, Instagram. So for these people listening to this, Instagram is a social media app that has pictures on it. Why would just pictures, why would just a social media app like that create some sort of super normal stimulus for you? Or for anyone for that matter? I would just say, I think with any social media, especially with pictures, it over-exaggerates what real life is. If it's from what your friends are doing at an event, if it's from the lighting of a picture, trying to make a car look better, if it's trying to... Even if it's with memes or trying to make something in normal day life even funnier than it really is, just trying to grab somebody's attention. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's easy to have your eyes be attracted to the big, shiny, bright thing. And then once it gets all the super exciting stuff, it's hard to go back to the dull things. Like for some kids that I work with, 
it's it's easy for them to be on social media and be scrolling in a super it's almost like a tractor being it's like just sucking you right in and then to set down your phone which is this amazing supercomputer in your hand and then to go pick up a book that happens to be written on a subject you're not interested in that you have to read to be able to pass a class i think it doesn't matter if you have social media or not even when i was growing up that was a difficult stretch difficult to do i think it just becomes a lot harder once that's super normal uh, instead of just having a, a picture of a of, of a nice instead of just having a nice day out there now you see a picture of these beautiful people on a perfect sunset, them having fun, laughing about a joke that you wish you were a part of, you know? And so it's easy to become, it's it's the comparison factor where it's gone wrong, where comparison, comparing yourself to other people's lives can become something that you're trying to achieve. But since you can't achieve that in your own life, you're constantly trying to get that high through looking at other people's lives vicariously or almost like a voyeur, right? You're almost like on yeah. the outside, like, oh my gosh, like you get your excitement living vicariously through them. Um, now it brings us to the second part of the documentary. Okay. It was the part that they labeled heart, but it was really about relationships. Is this the part where you think it kind of got a little bit stickier when it started talking about how pornography can start to how it can affect relationships absolutely and actually um that has been my biggest fear with pornography and struggling with that throughout the years is how's this going to affect my relationships and it's been a main cause for inducing anxiety when it comes to dating for me and um i i really like that part of the video for the fact that they had the male and female perspective Actually, two weeks before the video, I had a conversation with some close friends that were females and actually had a first open discussion with females about dating and how pornography affects that nowadays. And the fact that I had that conversation and had that real life experience and to see it on the documentary and being able to say, OK, they're still capturing the way that I felt being able to d discuss with a female. Hey, this is what I've struggled with or this is how it affects the relationship and this is what we can do to get through it. And there was a lot of, hey, this is how it's going to affect it, can hurt it, and this is how you can get through it. And there's still hope because people are, are more understanding of the trials that are going on right now. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to give too many spoiler alerts, but they had picked certain people to highlight in the documentary during the brain part, during the heart part, and during the world part. And a couple of people that, that Brandon saw on the relationship part, you could see how, you know, they had talked very openly about how pornography had really damaged their ability to connect and love and express love. This one, that one guy that um, was, you know, having an affair on his wife and being around his kids and just not even feeling close to them, just desensitizing all your ability to love. Um, it was, I mean, for me, even though I, you know, I, I talk about the stuff and none of that was a surprise. I always like to see people expressing their own personal struggles and what happens to them. Because me as a professional, I can tell people, Hey, this is what it does. But when they're talking, when they're listening to someone, so for example, someone struggling with pornography, listening to someone in this documentary, talking about the specific details of what it did to them. And this has been a recent thing, like within, you know, recent years. And you can see on film how hard it was for these people to talk about this. I, I thought it was very much like in, um, in our social support groups that we do with the teenagers. The teenagers that are out there posting on social media, you know, I'm just going to kill myself because nobody cares and are doing it for attention seeking. 
it sounds totally different when you're watching someone shaking and their throat swelling up and they're trying to say something, but as they're saying it, they realize that they got to be really slow because they don't want to go and just like come unglued. It's like, wait, we can't understand you, sir, because you're sobbing too hard. But they kind of slowed down their voice. They took their time. They picked their words and it was hard for them. And to watch people struggle talking about their struggles. I don't know about you, but for me, like I, I always get a like I feel it. Did you feel the same thing when, when you're hitting those people's, you know, life stories that they're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the hardest part about watching that is most of the times when I did the interviews, there's a couple times where it was just that person individually, but they're talking about things that their actions of watching pornography or having the affair, how it affected their relationship. And you have to watch their significant other sit there and relive that pain on camera. And even if they don't say anything, you can just feel how much that's hurt them. Even if they're still trying to work through it or they're committed to them, that, that really, it cuts deep because for me, I don't want pornography or my shame or my struggles to be the reason why I hurt somebody else that I'm trying to love or be in a relationship with. Yeah. I mean, relationships are hard enough as it is. <laughs> it's like, Hey, my relationship isn't hard enough. Let me sprinkle some addictions and some things that just happened to like for a guy. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say most women that don't have that same issue. If they're dating or married to a guy that has that issue, it's going to be hard for them to understand. It's going to be hard for them to go, oh, those are just make-believe people. And I don't mind if he's looking at other women naked and he's, you know, getting, you know, some sort of satisfaction from that. You know, I've been doing this a long time. (laughs) I've met too many women to say something like that and vice versa. There's women that were struggling with that. And you could see that it was affecting their relationships the exact same way. Well, not the exact same way, but it was affecting it having the same horrible outcome, not trusting the person you're in a relationship with, not knowing where you stand. Are, are you an object to them? Uh, if you give them what they want, will they be happy? But if you don't give them what they want, they won't be happy. You know, there, there's a lot of complicated twists and turns that you could see these people having. And, and I'm glad you said that because it's so true. When you're sitting there watching the person talking about cheating and looking at pornography and their spouse is sitting right next to them holding their hand and you could tell at least for one situation i could tell where the woman they whatever they done lots of counseling whatever it was she was committed to him she was holding his hand and we're seeing the outcome of probably a lot of years of her not holding his hand, <laughs> yeah. not wanting. I mean, I bet you if you would have went to that same woman right after the affair happened, say, like, hey, do you want to be on a documentary <laughs> and share these things? She'd probably say a very hard pass, yeah. very hard no. Nah. But to see that happening where they're actually talking about it, I don't know, man. It, I just It gave me hope for a lot of people who are in that situation, and I... I know more than my fair share of people that are in that situation or have been in that situation in the past. Yeah, and, and uh, is it okay for us to say hope because Heidi's not here? <laughs> no, I was the one that, was, if you if you notice, all of our listeners, in the very beginning of our episodes, I was, it was an inside joke between Heidi and I where I was saying, you know, I, I don't like the word hope. Only specifically for Heidi and certain people that would always say it as a <laughs> resistance technique. And it's, by the way, it is a resistance technique. It's a resistance technique to say, oh, I hope for this, but you know, I'm, I'm just going to sit over and just keep on doing my thing. 
No, it's like, I'm working towards this. I'm going to achieve this. I want this. You know, th- those are a little bit more committal type things to say versus like, well, I just hope you guys, you know, like this. So that's why I haven't been talking. I say hope all the time. Now. It was just an inside joke that it went a little too long. So yes, you can say hope, um, hopeless, whatever you want, whatever vernacular you want to use. No, but the when you were talking about having a significant other, male or female, be concerned about somebody watching pornography, somebody else having sex, people freak out in today's relationship about you liking a female's picture regardless of what they're dressed like if they're showing off their bodies or not if you're friends with them people are super defensive about that and to use the term in the movie did finding out that your significant other is looking at pornography i can only assume is a super normal stimulus to already that defensive the culture of dating and different things on social media is it's okay to cheat it's okay to have somebody on the side and it's all about objectifying people and then having somebody commit an act of looking at pornography is just validation of everybody's fears and insecurities and anxiety that's interesting i didn't think about it that way it's a super normal stimulus to the person who naturally would be jealous if you're checking out another girl like well i'm thinking of a woman saying yeah, she wouldn't want her man to be checking out a woman, uh, flirting with a woman, liking her pictures, and then now watching another woman naked, having sometimes very crude sexual acts. That is a super normal stimulus, just on a negative <laughs> side. Oh yeah, on the total reverse side. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think about it that way. See, I'm glad I asked you to come on the <laughs> podcast. See, right there. That's why I call him B Cash. Ooh. <laughs> so now let's get to the third part of the documentary, the world part think this part got even more uncomfortable for the many people in the audience yeah and it got really uncomfortable for me at first i was talking to jack after the show i was like i don't like that part and then i breathed for like 30 seconds like oh man that part that part hit deep you want to explain it you want me to explain it go ahead man so the world part they were talking about how it's affecting the world with it being a huge i think it was like 14 billion dollar industry they talk about the money aspect of it but then they also Went from no, it's much more than fourteen billion. It was fourteen billion like a long time ago. Okay, yeah, it's 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 ridiculous amounts of money. But go ahead. Yeah. yeah, and they talked about like how much viewage time there's been, and last year they equated oh, it one porn site. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. one porn site. It was like four point six billion hours, which equated to about eighty three hundred years. Years. A pornography watch on just one one. I think it's fifty three, but still a yeah. lot. Yeah, it was fifty three just... years of minutes equated minutes of pornography watch equaled up to fifty three years on just this one porn site for one year. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's pretty crazy, and it's a huge shell shock. But then they also go into talking to former people who were in the pornography industry and what happened to them and how it affected them as a person. And then they also talk about sex trafficking and they really educate you on how corrupt the sex industry is. And I, and I think for me that cut deep the most because let, let's say for me, I'm having a rough time. I'm feeling sorry for myself and I decide to look at pornography. I'm already going to beat myself up for looking at pornography. The last thing that I want to do is hurt somebody else, right? And that's my biggest thing concerning being in a relationship or moving forward. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, they say, hey, you watching it, whether you want to or not, you're hurting other people. These are people that are either being explicited for money, they're being coerced, they are actually in sex trafficking. You have no idea 
what's actually being done in this industry. And yeah, well, you're only watching what they're showing you on the camera. You have no idea that person is being, if they're actually a sex trafficked slave, if they're being coerced into it, like pressured, uh, manipulated, abused. Um, and yeah, it was it, the, the way they described it as a lot of people see pornography as one category, um, sex trafficking as another category. Um, and there was one other thing. Wasn't there three things? Um, those are the two main yeah. ones, but a lot of people see those as two separate things when in reality they they have a symbiotic relationship. They feed off of each other. And, um, one of the cameos in there, um, in the last part was with Elizabeth smart and her actual, her parents were actually in the audience watching the showing of, of the documentary. And they commented after the documentary is done. But during the show, they were talking about how people in sex trafficking use pornography to groom people so that they know what to expect to happen to them so they're not so shocked and they need to see it happen here's what you're expected to do here's what you have to do and then you have to follow through with that and elizabeth smart I'm, again i won't give too many spoiler alerts but she says some very interesting things about what had happened to her and how pornography made her situation way worse and it was exactly what um the documentary was 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 stating that the two are working together, the sex trade industry and the, the pornography industry, that they're not separate things. They, they work in conjunction with one another. And for me, um, e yeah, even though I, I know that, just, you know, certain messages have put the right way and, and stated in a way that helps you kind of connect all the dots. It was a very good reminder for me as well. And I think this is a un unique way to say it, but... As much as sex, making love, pornography is showing human interaction, right? Like that's the goal in a relationship is to have intimacy and that type of thing. Pornography, I think, has been desensitized and has been made to a point where it's almost not real humans. And them talking about the world and how it affects the world, at least for me, said, no, this is way more human than you think. These are actual people with actual feelings. They may be getting paid to do it, but they also hate it. You know, uh... <laughs> A little confession on my part, we're watching the movie and they interviewed two porn stars and they were older. I mean, they're like, guy had to be in his 50s, right? The girl's probably, you know, late 40s, something like that. And, the, you know, the guy said, I was the most decorated porn star of, you know, the 90s, whatever. And the girl, she's like, yeah, I did this many movies. I'd recognize both of them from watching pornography in, in the 90s. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like right when I saw that guy on the screen, I saw that girl on the screen, I'm like, oh, this just got real. Like now, it for me and anyone, and here's the thing is, a lot of people are going to recognize these two people. Back in those days, there wasn't like lots of videos. <laughs> there wasn't, it's it's a whole different thing now, but I remember when I was a teenager and, you know, some of your friends get a hold of some videos and the videos get passed around and I... I yeah, those two people were on a lot of videos. And to have that guy talk about feeling like he lost his soul and talking about the darkness that happened when he went to Hollywood to be an actor, and next thing you know, he's being, you know, a porn star. And then talking about that woman, how she had a pimp and she had an agent and they had to work together and the things that she had to endure just to be able to make all these people who were making money off her happy 
Yeah, it brought it to very human nature really quick. Like you could see just how evil and how corrupt this whole entire machine is. And I'm I'm glad that Fight the New Drug um, has the courage and bravery to tackle a thing that if you look at this, and I remember the statistic in 2014 came out, so 13 or 14, which now we're you know, a few years removed from that. But the statistic in, I think, 13 or 14 came out from 2011 or 2012, but it stated that the pornography industry made more money than the MLB, the NBA, the NFL, and the NHL combined. And it was interesting to see these people talk about how this is a worldwide issue that affects the absolute fundamental core of everyone's home, our families, and there's a world around us that's happening that we're not aware of. And one of the greatest, you know, things that, not greatest in a good way, but one of the greatest uh, tricks, and I'm quoting now uh, one of my favorite movies uh, called The Usual Suspects from back in the day. It said the one of the greatest tricks that ever the devil the devil ever played was to make everybody believe he didn't even exist, and that's what I was thinking when I was watching that. I'm like, in one sense, like man, there's some mastery in like a sleight of hand, like hey, look over here, but there's this stuff happening over here, and I, I'm for me, I'm glad that everyone is going to get a chance to see how it starts in the brain how then it goes to your normal intimate relationships in your life and then how it goes out into the world. And I just, that's why I have complete, I can sign off on this documentary. I really want everyone that listens to our podcast to go to brainheartworld.org. And they, uh, I don't know if they launched it, but they announced um, something that they also have now too. And I wanted you to talk about this a little bit, Brandon. And that is the Fortify app. So a while ago, Fight the New Drug came out with a book called Fortify. And they've had a program called Fortify that I've had a, a number of teenage um, young people get on and, and work this program. But now that they have the app, um, it's just so much more effective. It's so much more efficient. So, Brandon, why don't you go and, uh, and, and read to us um, what are the functions on the app and basically what's the purpose of the app? Yeah, so looking at the app, let me just pull up. I'll go to the app store and, and read the description. But essentially what this is is to help with breaking through the addiction of pornography. It's got several different videos. I think the introductory package is like 55 videos. It breaks down different things to watch, different exercises, journaling. gives you a tracker of how long you've been clean, how many setbacks you've had. Um, there's group chat communities where people go out there and, and they'll question, hey, like well, I was reading one of them and she was saying, what do I do when I'm alone? Like what are things to do to keep busy when I'm alone? Because when I'm alone, I want to look at pornography and just giving several different resources on how to, how to fight pornography. And I haven't dived too much into it or dove too much into it with how they do it step by step. But let me pull up the description here. Fortify was designed to equip individuals struggling with compulsive pornography use, young and old with tools, education, and community to assist them in reaching lasting freedom. Our mission is to help spark an uprising of people tired of porn, messing with their lives, and ready for something far better. Um, then it talks about the different 
subscriptions that they have there. And there's also coaching subscriptions where you can talk to a coach in lifetime and have somebody there kind of holding you accountable if you didn't want to do it on your own or needed extra help or didn't want to reach out to friends or family to help you with it. You know, and, and anytime someone's struggling with any sort of addiction or any real, real big issue that's controlling their life, you really need support, man. You need other people who can relate, have similar experiences, that are also looking for better outcomes, different you know ways to to handle these challenges and struggles, and and that's why you know I I couldn't be happier with fight the new drug for for everything that they've been doing to educate people and to give them the opportunity to have easy access to information that could stop you from what I like to call it exercising a different type of self harm. So usually people think of self-harm as cutting, doing something with a sharp object to hurt yourself. But I found out working with young men and and older men alike that self-harm can be in lots of ways. One very common way is that a young person or, like I said, a, a person that struggles and has addiction with pornography goes to pornography to soothe themselves when they're struggling and when they can't cope with life only to find out after looking at pornography, now they just took another step back in their life. And they know it's going to hurt them. They know it's going to be something that's going to make them feel bad afterwards. And if they got caught, it could lose trust in relationships again. But at least they're able to feel something at that moment. And when you become so desensitized after so long from so many relationships gone wrong in your life, when you are a human being that's, having physical desires, um, sexual desires, and you're lonely and you don't have the confidence or, you know, the ability, or at least you don't feel like you have the ability to go connect with people, um, have conversations about things that really matter. And you've come across pornography and you use it often, man, it's really difficult to tell yourself that even though this is going to feel horrible afterwards, you know, maybe it's worth it for, for the moment. You know, it's it's difficult to that's a difficult battle inside of one and inside of a person's mind. Brandon, is is that something that that you can say <laughs> is 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 not an easy thing to deal with when because you're a young man that you've been you know coming to quit tripping. You've talked openly at many groups. You shared it you know another time where um, uh, you know at the old radio show about some struggles that you've had with pornography. So for a young person, you've been about as open as you can be. But even knowing all the things and even watching the movie, is it still a battle inside of, inside of a person's mind when they're at that point of a low throughout the day? They know that it's going to make them feel even worse afterwards, but it'll make you feel good for a minute. So maybe it's worth doing it. Yes. And I have to admit, it's also the... Because of how low the low is after, yeah, you can feel the high, and I would say more of the high is the excitement thinking about it. But for me, we were talking beforehand, and I think it's going to be the first time I've said this out loud, but I use that low so I have something to justify feeling sorry for myself for. Yeah, I, I call it being addicted to being depressed. It's, it's a very symbiotic relationship that the sex industry and the pornography industry have with each other. Well, I think it's also a very symbiotic relationship that pornography and feeling depressed 
have with each other. They definitely feed off one another. Yeah, because like for me, if it's with work or with this, if if I'm not on top of my game or if I'm not doing the things I'm supposed to and I'm starting to... When you say the things you're supposed to, what do you mean by that? That's from everything from not being on social media as much, waking up on time, eating right, going oh, to Oh, so the you're gym. saying the things you're supposed to so that you don't look at pornography? Yeah. Okay. Just yeah. wanted you to be clear because... Yeah. No, no, and, and it's right. So those things that I need to do to stay active, to stay away from pornography, I start slipping, and then I start feeling bad or disappointed or start beating myself up. I'm like, well, if I'm going to feel bad let's at least feel real bad about it. And selfishly, because you don't share that high with anybody, you're not talking about it. It's like, I did this to myself. I did an act. It wasn't just letting, I didn't go to the gym today or something like that. Because everybody openly talks about, oh, I missed the gym today or I'm going to eat this piece of pizza at work. But with the pornography, it's... You can kind of get a laugh. It's like, I overate last night or I binged, flick, I binged on Netflix. It was, oh, yeah, me too. And people can relate to that. Yeah. So by talking about it, use a little comedy relief. You kind of get it off your chest. You you just keep it going. Yeah. And you, and you can bounce back easier. It's like, all right, well, if he can do it, you know, I'll bounce back after this next meal or whatever it may be. But with the pornography, it's if... For me, I'm used to being depressed or sad or not being as successful as I could be or being on top of my game, doing the things I need to do day in and day out. It gives me justification to feel crappy for myself. That doesn't sound like fun, man. It's not. It's not great. Doesn't sound like fun at all. When you're when you're watching the movie, or not even when you watch the movie, because we this happens to the group all the time. I mean. It's it's quite common that one young man will confess inside the group that he has this struggle or is had it in the past and it's coming back up again. These are mm-hmm. common topics that happen. What's it like for you when you're watching someone else talk about their struggles with pornography? If I'm not on top of my game, I absolutely hate it. Don't want them to talk about it. Don't want to be reminded that I have all the tools. I'm supposed to be the person that's modeling for other people, especially somebody, some people close to me that have looked up to me, have asked for me to show them the way on how, how to fight the addiction. And if I'm not doing that, I don't want to hear it because it's just going to remind me that I'm not doing the small things day to day. It's not even about the pornography. It's at least for me, I know that the days I don't wake up on time, my brain's telling me, hey man, I know what you need to do to get back on point for you to be happy, to be successful at work. You need to do this, 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 this. And if the outcome is pornography and somebody's talking about, hey, I'm struggling with this super bad or they're emotional, they're saying, hey, I'm doing so great and I'm not. I put on the smile, like, hey, that's awesome. I'm so glad you're talking about it. But then it just reminds me I'm not doing what I'm supposed to. Isn't that crazy? How, like when you're doing better, you're not looking at it and just – so all of you listeners out there know not only is Brandon being super real and super vulnerable, Brandon's come a long way in this category. And I think by, I think it's a testament of you being on here and talking about it. Cause I could think of plenty of times in the past where you're like, you couldn't pay me to get on a microphone <laughs> and talk about that because you're so deep and you didn't know, like you just, you just come such a long way. So I want to give you your full due and full credit. Um, but isn't it crazy how like what you're saying, it makes sense though. When you're working on something and you're progressing and you're making effort in that thing, you can have a conversation about it and you can actually have more empathy and compassion. But when you're struggling with the same thing someone else is struggling, they're talking about it, 
you can't really have empathy and compassion because you're trying to get out of the conversation. You're not trying to listen to it. You're trying to avoid it at all costs. Like where's the garlic? Where's the, where's the cross? You know, it's almost like it's a vampire trying to suck your blood and you're trying to run away. But on the opposite, when you're doing good and you're feeling great about it, I've seen you with my own eyes go way out of your way to check on people, to reach out to them, to spend time with them. Hey, let me take you to lunch. Let's hang out or whatever. Because you know that when they're alone with their own thoughts and they're they're in a dark place, that's their self-harm. They're going to go there. But when you're not in a good place, you can't be of help to other people. And knowing you because how much of an empath, how much you love to help other people, that's another beat down for you too. Oh, absolutely. It's a, It's rough. And I think the biggest thing you can compare it to is I have a friend who plays on the division one football team. And when I'm out of shape, if he texts me to go to the gym, I'm absolutely not going to go to the gym because I don't want him to lift more than me, you know, or if we're on the same level, if I'm in shape, I don't feel as bad about it. And it's the same thing with the pornography and helping out other people is if I'm handling it, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I feel confident in handling it. It's easier to relate to people. It doesn't matter where they're at is I can be that empath. I can go and help people because I feel like I have the right to help people. And I think that's the biggest thing is even with the gym is I have no right to work out with you because you're in such better shape than I am because I haven't taken care of my body. I have no right to help you because I'm not helping myself. And I think with how long I've gone to the groups, how much information I've gotten from you, the biggest thing is I beat myself up and say, you have no right, Brandon, to help other people because you're not using these tools instead of being like, all right, the strength in numbers, if I talk to somebody about this, if I ask them to help me instead of being that person asking, hey, can I help you? Then I probably won't get in those spots. But selfishly is I want to do it by myself. Yeah, I mean, I, I think ideally it'd be so cool for you to say, I slayed this dragon with my own sword. You know, I, I did it all on my own. It's a trap though, right? Like, like you've tried to do it on your own and what does that get you? <laughs> Nowhere back in the same spot. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up. Like you feel like you don't have the right to talk about it. Cause this is something that Heidi, you know, she's mentioned a couple of times on the podcast, but you know, behind closed doors and, and when we've talked before, she, she's really struggled feeling like, how do I have the right to give people advice or, you know, share with them all the things that, you know, they should do when I look like a hypocrite because obviously I'm not perfect to this. I didn't, you know, I didn't figure this out. If I did, my, my son would still be alive. And I'm not saying that's the truth. I'm just saying that that's what, that's where the mind goes. Like, where do I have the credibility? Why should anyone take me serious? But when Heidi comes in here and she's on the podcast and she's talking and realizing, you know, I, I've had a horrible experience. I'm learning, but I have learned a lot in my learning process already. So I'm going to share what I've learned to hopefully help people get some shortcuts so they don't have to experience the depth of the type of pain that she's had. It seems like you're kind of experiencing the same thing, but it's just with pornography versus with like suicide per se. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that a hundred percent is I don't feel like I have that right, but ironically, if I'm looking to get help from somebody, I don't want to go to that person who has it perfect. That's not real struggle with pornography or says, do this. And you want to go to the person who can't do yeah. because they're more of an F up than you are. Yeah. It's like, I want that person. And you're Wait like, a second. Is this why all my friends call me and open up to me? Oh my gosh. I just realized I'm more screwed up than my friends are. You may proceed. <laughs> well, you know, 
I don't want to call my friend up who's never struggled with pornography. I want them to be like seeing me go through it. Like, hey, man, been there, done that. Uh, you need to. You, sometimes I want to be saved and go to those people who I know have gone through. It. Like, hey, man, can you can you help me out or humbly like throw myself out there that I'm sad and wanting people to pick up on it when. At the end of the day, if they just went up to me, hey, man, I'm struggling with this. I just want to let you know. And there's more value in that saying, yeah, man, I've been there. You know what to do and give you the confidence that you have the answer or that they can be there for a text or whatever it may be. But yeah, saying that I don't have that right, but at the same time, knowing that there's people that look up to me for it because I still struggle with it or I've struggled with it or whatever it may be at that situation because I'm human. They can relate to it. Could you say that some of the best conversations you've ever had on the planet earth have been about you opening up and sharing with someone about your struggle, them opening up with you and you getting into a deep conversation where someone shares with you things that they may never have shared with anyone else before, but they shared it with you because they knew you wouldn't judge them and you could relate. 100%. Without a doubt. And that I would say Some of my best conversations and some of my best friends are because of those conversations and being willing to open up and talk about that. And even just recently, went on the trip to California, knew didn't know three of the people I went with, and being able to talk about talk with them about where I was at with pornography, where I was at in life, and having that deep conversation in the middle of Utah, driving back from California. I know 100% that those people have my back. I have their back because of that deep conversation. And I haven't really hung out with them since we've texted back and forth. But yeah, some of the best conversations I've had is because I've opened up about what I've struggled with and they've done the same back. Yeah, thanks for for talking about that because it's scary. I mean, even Heidi, she, she doesn't have the struggle and she was having a hard time talking about it in our last podcast. Um. But when something's scary, especially in a group of friends, don't we always kind of like look around like, okay, who's going to go first? (laughs) (laughs) Who's going to take the challenge first? And when someone jumps in a difficult situation and shows everybody, hey, it's not that bad, like you can handle it, then it's, it seems to kind of like make everybody feel more safe and secure. And in this case, you're just the person going first talking about, I have a struggle but I'm going to have this struggle regardless whether I'm talking about it or not talking about it. The only difference is if you have the struggle and then you discuss it and you talk about it with people, now you invited some sort of purpose to your struggle. Now your life experience has value because not many people can go through what you've gone through and then choose to talk about it on top of it. So when we talk about purposeful struggle all the time, the struggles that we just have, They're ours. They belong to us. We own them. We got to work on them. But when we talk to other people and plant a seed inside their mind that maybe doesn't grow right away, maybe you telling someone that you struggle with pornography um, seems at the moment like it has no impact on them. But you've had enough experiences where weeks later, days later, even some months later, someone will come to you and say, hey, remember that time you said that? I've thought about that a lot. And you're looking at them saying, you did? Like, I, <laughs> I and, and they're like, yeah, I struggle with that too. And you told me a couple of times, you're like, man, like 
this person just came up like they said that they struggle with it and you had like this bewildered look on your face like i didn't see that coming i had no idea i'm like yeah that's why it's called a secret like <laughs> people they have to go to great lengths to cause a diversion over here so you don't see this over here and and then all of a sudden when you hear them open up this is the one thing you've come back and told me and i have this experience but it's cool to have see you have this experience you would come back and tell me right when they told you that that was a struggle they had instantly your brain answered like a hundred questions about them you just went oh <laughs> now i know why you'd ghost me for no reason when we had plans and then they would tell you like yeah, that time we're supposed to hang out. I went and looked at pornography. I went to a dark hole. I didn't get on my bed and I made a big excuse why I couldn't go hang out. And it looked like the worst thing to bail you the last minute. But at that moment, you were no longer mad. You weren't trying to figure it out. You went, oh yeah, I done that. <laughs> yeah. So instantly it comes from this weird, I don't understand this friend of mine. I thought we we're close to, oh, now I, now I, they're me. Now I, I can feel exactly what they're experiencing opens up empathy, opens up more compassion. And it creates sometimes like a, a good workout partner it can motivate you to do things you want to do. Having someone to talk about these things with, help you hold yourself accountable, give you better ideas of how to handle it. Maybe, maybe they figured out some stuff that you haven't figured out yet. Maybe you figured out some things that they haven't figured out yet and you're a little heavy game so you can help them. But by helping them, it's helping you have the conversation so you don't put it off in the in the corner and forget that it's a real issue until it's too late. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm... Uh, man, you got my mind thinking about a lot of different things right now. Um, thank you again, Brandon, for for, for coming on today and, and, and sitting in in, uh, in Heidi's place. And I'm uh, looking forward to to hear Heidi and, and what she has to say about this podcast and about me outing hers, her, her uh, struggling to have feeling like she has credibility. I think she said it a couple times already, but I think as human beings, that, that's natural, normal for us to question and doubt whether we really deserve to be speaking on something. Now, on a side note, I think some people should question more. <laughs> Sometimes they, they speak a little too freely about things that they don't have experience in. But I think in this type of, of scenario, taking that leap and saying, hey, you know what? I have this issue and other people have this issue and they're going to have this issue whether I have this issue or not. But since I have this issue and they have this issue, let's talk about it and see if we can kind of brainstorm a diff some different ways so that we don't have to have the same issue and go through this alone. Because everybody knows there's strength in numbers. Well, in things like addiction, specifically addiction that has that capability already built inside of us. And what I mean by that is we have a sexual desire and urge to procreate. We are animals. Yeah. We're animals in the sense where we have some strong biology. The only difference part about, well, a main different part about us as animals, we have a couple of interesting parts of our brain that make us think about things a little bit more you know, clearly and plan for the future than regular animals do. But we're animals in the sense that we have these natural desires. And these natural desires are not bad. They're not wrong. But unfortunately, some people have tweaked them and manipulated them to their own desires. And that desire is to make money. Now, there might be other desires out there of people besides making money. But I think money is, is, is the biggest driver behind this. Um, and money is what you get. Um, when you create these websites and when you are in the sex trade industry 
And what other people get in return is they get a false sense of reality, a false sense of what relationships are supposed to be like, uh, a false sense of, I mean, I, I couldn't think of any better way to, dis- to destroy and disrupt any country, any city, any community, any neighborhood than to attack the family. And nothing attacks a family more than degrading the person who has the physical capabilities of making the family, which is the woman. So thank you everybody for listening to Light the Fight podcast and for digesting all this information with us. Um, For those of you that would uh, like more information about um, uh, this documentary, please, and also just be able to, to view it. Um, like I said, till the end of November, this documentary will be online for free. After that, they will be charging some money. So I think their main goal, what they said, is they want to be able to easily distribute this at schools. Um, I can confidently say this information, the documentary, is great for youth. Um, and I, I can also say that it's great for youth from easily from middle school all the way up. The last part about the world part of it got more specific. And a couple of people at the end wrote, raised their hand and said, ooh, what age group do you think this is okay with? And I remember Clay said, oh, you know, you know, middle school and up. And, and I remember the woman was like, middle school? Uh, I don't know. And then someone else kind of had a similar question like, are you sure? Like that last part was really hard to watch. If you watch this, well, you're going to watch this, okay? I don't hope you're going to watch it. <laughs> you're going to watch this because even if you don't have the struggle – and your spouse or someone close to you have the struggle, you know someone has a struggle, even if you don't know that they have the struggle. But most people know someone that has the struggle. But when you watch this, make sure as you're watching this video and you get to the last part about the world, make sure that you remember this thing that I think is important to share with you. If it's uncomfortable and it's hard for you to watch and you're fearful to share this with your middle age or middle school age kids and up, know this. They are either going to learn about this from the world or they're going to learn about it from you. I would always prefer to be the first one to be ahead of the, the narrative, to share the information, to introduce some of that information, even as difficult as talking about pornography and sexuality. And go to Fight the New Drug. They have plenty of suggestions on their website how to have these conversations. The documentary is on Brain Heart. You can find it at brainheartworld.org. The um, uh, Fortify app, please go check out the app and uh, give us some comments and let us know what you think uh, about the documentary and also about the app and any of the other resources you find at uh, Fight the New Drug. So I can go tell my... My good friend Clay and all the good people there about how much their work is helping individuals and families uh, throughout the world and definitely throughout the nation. So as always, thank you for joining Light the Fight. Um, and two, I, I don't know who it was. Actually, pull up our, um, our iTunes. I want to give a shout out to that person who gave us that uh, review. <laughs> We've never done this before, but I didn't even look at our reviews for like six months. Like I didn't know how many people gave us review, but... We got quite a few reviews, and we got a really cool review from, who's the person's name on there? Pulling it up still. Come on, producer. Have you come on the mic for five minutes, and you forget your duties? I am not good at multitasking. (laughs) 
That's that. That's fair. Neither am I, so I, I should shut up then because I'm being a hypocrite. See, there's a great example of how you can be a hypocrite even when you're making a joke. So you got it? Yes, I believe so. Let me see real quick. Yes. So the review was from Tried and True Tips for Parents. What do you mean? We're L. Weiniger. Uh, that's just what her handle name was, what yeah. Tried and True or No, 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 no. that parents. was the title, the username's. L. Weiniger. Oh, L. Weiniger. Sorry. <laughs> I'm an old man. I don't know these, <laughs> these dang orange phones, Apple phones, whatever they call these things. Um, she says, I love this podcast and have recommended it to so many friends in the neighborhood. I tried the I love you, son, even if you choose to never do your responsibilities ever again. I'll always love you because you're my son. While looking him in the eyes and then giving him a huge hug and smiling and then walked away and it worked. He's only nine years old and he turned off his favorite show, went to do his practice. Let me fast forward his English reading, his piano practice. Basically what she's saying, she, she was shocked as could be um, that he went and did all of his homework and all these things um, and being vulnerable and, and honest with him paid off. Uh, she goes on and says, thank you, Heidi and David. I don't feel comfortable saying all those things because it's like, I don't want to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm amazing. She loves me. Point is, that was a super cool review, so I wanted to give her a shout out. And I also wanted to just encourage you, or not even encourage you, just ask you, because I have a really hard time asking people to do anything for Light the Fight, because I feel that, I don't know, I talk about this stuff on such a personal level. I, I rarely post about this stuff online because I feel like I don't want to promote all the stuff that I use or that we talk about to help other people's lives for some sort of business thing. But... I can tell you, it was really cool to read this review. So if you haven't given a review and you want to give a review on iTunes, it actually does help us because people, our podcast gets moved to the front of the queue, helps more people find it. Um, but up until this point, our loyal listeners, thank you very much because people have been finding it just fine just by you sharing it. So continue to share it, um, share a review uh, if you like. And thank you, as always, to our community sponsor, 1-800-CONTACTS. And as always, 1-800-CONTACTS is not just our sponsor, they're our partner because we need help to get this information out to our communities and they've stepped up and they've decided to help out their community by using our voices as a way to reach people that are struggling with family and children relationships. So big shout out to 1-800-CONTACTS and they just happen to be the best, cheapest, fastest, most effective way to get the best contacts on the face of the earth. And when Elon Musk goes to Mars and takes people there, 1-800-CONTACTS will also provide the best services to Mars. Somehow, I just believe that they could figure it out. If anyone could figure out how to get contacts to Mars, it'd be 1-800-CONTACTS because those people get stuff done. I've seen them work with my own eyes. So I just thought I'd throw that in there. 